welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, we have spiritual guide Mandy join us for a conversation all about finding a space to explore what we believe spiritually. Together, we talk about how we have our own sense of what is sacred, the power of the narratives we tell ourselves, and healing from the wounds of spiritual abuse. Y'all, this is a special episode. Mandy actually took me through a more spiritual direction session and did some tarot readings. And we talked about my experience, which is quite the flip, right? I'm usually interviewing people, so to have it come on me. Ooh, and about a topic that is, I think, really hard for me to talk about. Um, I have not felt very connected to any sense of spirituality. And I definitely talk about that in this conversation with Mandy about how I understand so much of that to be from the spiritual abuse and experiences that I had growing up as a fundamentalist Christian. So I was just shook when Mandy was like, yeah, you're spiritual. And then I, after this conversation, that resonated with me. And I asked my other friends, I was like, do y'all think I'm spiritual? And everyone was like, Nicole, (laughs) yes. And so I think I'm still learning, uh, as y'all will probably see in this conversation, what spirituality means and especially what it means for me. And I hope that if any of you are resonating with the same journey that I've had going through spiritual abuse or anything similar to that, I hope you can ask yourself the same questions that Mandy asks me, right? What are your sacred stories? What are the things that help you heal and feel grounded to your sense of self? I will say, as of currently, after this podcast, this was recorded a while back, I have started reading uh, Woman Who Run With Wolves, which is a whole thing on the wild woman archetype, which someone had mentioned to me and I finally bought the book, but I didn't even remember that I had said that in this podcast with Mandy, that that was something I felt connected to, even though I, I literally knew nothing about it. But also the intro song to this whole podcast is wild wild woman by your smith right something about that song i was just like yeah i am a wild woman i'm gonna start a podcast uh so it's interesting right like almost you know coming up on two years later of doing this whole journey and learning expanding through all the various stories that are on this podcast to be yes connecting to my spirituality and what it means to be a wild woman Y'all, there is so much here in this conversation with Mandy and so much for me personally that I am still growing and exploring. I hope y'all take away some fun nuggets to chew on and some deeper questions to ask about yourself. Tune in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To dive in. Excited to chat. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. 
Do you have any questions specifically before we chat, before we dive in, that I can answer or help? I mean, I was really curious. Like, I know that your previous guests recommend your next guests, but I was curious, like, what you were interested in about. I don't know what Betsy said about me, but I'm curious why. Not much. I don't wanted know. to talk to me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fair. I mean, like, so part of it is like, I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, I sit back, I let the person nominate because they believe that you fit the show and that you're a conscious objector to the status quo and have something that the show needs. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So Sorry, I take a big I step back from that because, yeah, because I, I don't even yeah. know. So that's why I come to you saying, why do you think you were nominated, you know? Ah, I see. So I stole your question. That's what you're yeah, telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I know uh, I saw like uh, aspects of spirituality, religion, those pieces. So I can imagine there's a lot there. And you also in your email had said relationship style. So very curious what all of that means. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I've been listening to back episodes. I listened to like most of the episodes about religion and spirituality because I was interested in like what's already been going on on your podcast. So I like took some notes while I was listening. (laughs) Yeah. What did you write down? What do you have? Oh, I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff. Just like, like, I'm curious about this. And this was interesting. And I wonder about that. So they're just like little snippets. But Mm -hmm. if there's anything that like, I don't want to forget to say anything that I thought was really important. Absolutely. Well, then, yeah, where do you want to begin? Yeah. Well, I was really interested. So I know you've been running this podcast for a year, two years? Mm -hmm. A year and a couple of months, yeah. Yeah. So I know a little bit about your spiritual background, like, from listening to those episodes. But also I know that, like, our understanding and our narrative of – kind of our spirituality and our spiritual journey can change over time. So I don't want to like make assumptions based on what I heard in those earlier podcasts, but I'm really curious like how you would describe right now, like your kind of spiritual journey and where you're at. Mm, So the journey and where I'm at, that's a big question. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So are you wanting like current or where I came from? I mean, I was thinking both. So let me back up a little bit. Yeah. So I'm a spiritual director. Yeah. Um, that's like the, that's like the commonly understood term. I don't super resonate with it because sure. I'm not really like directive. I usually use like spiritual guide, spiritual sure. companion, that sort of thing. Because what I understand is kind of my role is just be with people, hold space for people, kind of be a conversation partner, that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm coming from in terms of like asking you these questions. There was yeah. a part of me that was like, maybe we'll just like do a spiritual direction session and record that. That oh. would be cool. <laughs> I am down. Does that mean like me kind of letting you take the lead? And well, I mean, yeah. So yes and no, because yeah. yes, in terms of like, I was asking you that question as kind of me taking the lead, right? Yeah. But also in a spiritual direction session, what I'm doing is letting the seeker take the lead and letting mm. my clients kind of lead the conversation where they need it to go and explore sure. what they need to explore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm also like super open to whatever. If you have questions for me, if we, 
I know sometimes your conversations kind of wander and I'm totally open to that too. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I'm a big I, fan of those. I know, right? Because then you never know where it's going to go. And that's yeah. the magic sauce. Yes. Um, I would love to do a session if that's something you're interested in. I'm happy to talk about it and amazing kind of see, yeah, where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me tell you a little bit about me. We'll kind of do a, a combined thing, right? Because yep. usually I do a little like free introduction session with people where they can ask me questions about who I am and what my framework is and how I work with folks so that Mm -hmm. we can make sure we're a good fit. Yeah. So, and I know for your podcast, you were like, oh, I'm wondering about like this from your email and this from your email. So I can tell you a little bit about kind of who I am and what my framework is. Mm -hmm. So in terms of my identities, I identify as white. I identify as a cisgender female, able-bodied, mm-hmm. um, queer, poly. What else? Oh, I'm Jewish. I'm a convert to Judaism. Okay. So my background also is evangelical, fundamentalist Christianity. Kind of came to Judaism via Unitarian Universalism okay. with like some earth-based spirituality thrown in there. So like I've had a really wide and varied background. And I went to seminary. I have an MDiv, a Master of Divinity. And ironically, my super hyper liberal Christian seminary is where I discovered Judaism. <laughs> so, wow. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think they loved that, but, you know, <laughs> not the plan. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, you know, when you go to seminary, they tell you, they're like, you might go in agnostic and come out Christian. You might go in Christian and come out agnostic. Like, you just never know. Seminary changes you. But nobody told me that I might go in agnostic and come out Jewish. <laughs> that was not on the agenda. <laughs> that was not on the list. And actually, so that's how I learned about spiritual direction was my Aww. spiritual director during seminary. I was required to have a spiritual director. Mm. And I had never heard of spiritual direction before that. And my spiritual director, I still work with her. So it's been about six or seven years now we've been oh, working together. Beautiful. And she was like instrumental in kind of guiding me through that journey. Yeah. So that's a lot about me. Yeah. Are there questions that you would want to ask as like both as the podcast host, but also as a seeker who was coming to like, hey, I am interested in spiritual direction and we might work together. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very curious about the journey because you said you were raised Christian fundamentalists to going to agnostic, to believing in Judaism. That's a path. Practicing Judaism, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So practicing Judaism. So that's, I mean, a spiritual yeah. journey in and of itself that sounds like it's had a couple of turns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. My spiritual director says that I have faithfully followed the call of the divine even when it was difficult. <laughs> ah, yeah. How do you understand that path? You know, I don't think I really understand it, but I love that. I love that. Yep. (laughs) I mean, I think what she said is right. You know, I kind of just go where I feel like use the language of call, even though I wouldn't have always used that language. Right. But I go where I feel called, wherever is Mm. right, wherever I feel like grounded. And I really feel like Judaism is it. I feel like I found my home here. Beautiful. Um, And also, like, the way that I understand and practice Judaism is, well, the way Judaism works is no two Jews 
practice and experience Judaism in the same way. Sure, yeah. But I've kind of incorporated a lot of my background into how I am here. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite stories about my conversion, when you convert, the last step is what's called a mikvah. Okay. And basically it's a ritual immersion into a pool and then you come out and you're Jewish. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my mikvah guide, the person who kind of walks you through the process, said to me, one of the things you do is you take a shower and you like clean yourself really well before you go into this pool. Mm -hmm. And she says to me, don't dry off all of the way when you get out. You want to take some of the droplets of the shower into the pool with you. Mm. And this is representing the idea that you are not erasing who you were Mm. and the pieces of you that you bring into the Jewish community are valuable and like add to the pool. So that was super cool. Mm -hmm. So I think that my background really has informed how I practice Judaism. Absolutely. Yeah. And that background being? Yeah. So again, there's a lot to it, but the simple version, fundamentalist, evangelical Christianity, um, growing up when I was 17, I met my now husband. And yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I just have to say it, you know. And his family were kind of like Catholic adjacent. Like they were raised Catholic, but had never really practiced Catholicism. They're kind mm-hmm. of agnostic, liberal, cool people. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually know how he put up with me in the beginning because I was <laughs> like spiritually, I was super intense. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. having arguments with him at like three o'clock in the morning about creationism and like why I was right and yeah yeah the passion so yeah so during high school I uh I discovered the musical Rent okay yeah and it just like shifted my entire world Mm. I was like oh my god like these people are people like did you know that queer people are people (laughs) I did not no I had no idea well, like legitimately growing up in church, like I was not taught that. I was taught kind of the opposite of that. And I'm not one of those queer adults who is like, oh, I always knew and I was so wounded in church. Like that's not been my experience of my sexual becoming. So <laughs> I'm nodding because I'm like, that was yes. my experience. So yeah. 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 So it was a big deal for me to like listen to this musical, fall in love with these people and be like, oh, also they're queer. I just like, there's a lot that happens when you're that age anyway, but this combination of like people who I really loved and trusted and this like cultural um, exposure, I just like it all kind of coalesced into me being like, actually, maybe this is not this is not the thing for me. And I've always been a big question asker and a seeker. And I was also like super into leadership in the church. (laughs) So it's not too surprising that I ended up in seminary and ended up as a spiritual director because it's always been my jam. Yeah. And when I first like stepped away from Christianity, I explored earth-centered religion. Mm. Um, And I was really wounded at that point. So I could not deal with the like God and goddess language. And that was kind of what led me back out is I'm like, I just can't, I can't do this. 
So I kind of didn't do a lot for a while. And then when I had kids, like so many people do, I was like, "Uh oh, I feel like they should have some kind of spiritual community, but definitely not the one I grew up in. (laughs) And my husband and I were married by a Unitarian Universalist minister Mm -hmm. because that was the person I could find who would use the ceremony I had written. Mm -hmm. Again, that should have been a hint to me about my future vocation. (laughs) I wrote my wedding ceremony. (laughs) Also beautiful. Yeah. So when we had kids, we went back to Unitarian Universalism and kind of stayed there for a long time. And when I went to seminary, I really started exploring liberal Christianity, which I had Mm. never known about growing up. Yeah. I was like, what? The Bible can be interpreted metaphorically? Like... There's so much more to this. And also, like, I fell in love with the Hebrew language. Mm -hmm. And it was a very liberal seminary and interfaith stuff was a big part of it. So I was also exposed to Judaism. Yeah. Turned out that was that was my thing. Which is beautiful to come from. I mean, that's so necessary to find your thing that fits for you coming from that experience of being wounded by your early spiritual experiences it's particularly beautiful to me because I feel like the Judaism that I have come into and the communities that I'm a part of especially value all of the things that were explicitly like denigrated by my previous upbringing Mm. like the fact that I love to ask questions and dig in and do this like intellectual exploration was super frowned upon in in the Christianity I grew up in. And it's like this core piece of Judaism. Mm, yeah. So that's super, super cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Because sometimes in that fundamental Christianity, when you ask deeper questions like that, people will say, well, you just don't get it. God hasn't revealed it to you. So we don't ask those questions. We just wait for the veil to be removed so that you can see the truth, right? Yeah. 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 Well, and I have this tattoo here. How oh, beautiful. Yeah. That I got after I converted and after I wrote my thesis. And it says, Lo Bashmain He. And it means it is not in heaven. And it's from one of my favorite. It's from the Bible, but then it's from one of my favorite Talmud passages. Mm. And Talmud is like the post-biblical interpretive okay. work of yeah. the early, early rabbis. Yeah. So the phrase basically means Torah is not in heaven. God gave it to us. And now it's ours and it's our job to like explore it and interpret it together as a community and continue to decide how it's relevant for us now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's my total jam. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Applying it to our modern context. Yeah. Mm. And that's a lot of the framework I bring into spiritual direction is this yeah. idea that we each have our own sense of what is meaningful and valuable and sacred and helps us live good lives. And those are all like my way is right for me and it's not necessarily right for anyone else. Mm. So I, I hold space for people with a lot of different backgrounds. Yeah, definitely. Which is also, again, radically different than fundamental Christianity, which says actually your way of understanding is wrong and you're going to go to hell if you don't believe in my way. And so let me push my message on to you. Right. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So will you tell me a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I grew up fundamentalist, not to the extreme degree, but definitely taking the Bible very literally. was in private school my whole life. So, you know, that meant Bible class, chapel, the whole thing. Or purity ring was a very into that and the meaning of that. And also thought that homosexuals were sinners and advocated for that as well, which here I am queer, you know, now looking back on that. Um, but I was kind of like you in many ways, always asking questions, always like searching, always probing. I remember at one point, even in college, like crying at the th- the idea that maybe Calvinists are right and that there was just only a certain <laughs> amount of people that were chosen to go to heaven. And I am just struggling because I was not one of the chosen. Like, that was very real to me at one point where I was like, yeah, maybe it's just not me. So, yeah, it was always something that I felt like I was trying to force myself into. And it never really jived. And through a, a series of events that kind of in college pulled me away from Christianity. And then I went on this whole, like, you know, dark night of the soul of, like, what is my existence if not for God? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that led to more of this defense, right? Where I was like, I'm not doing anything spiritual. Don't like God talk. Kind of like what you said before, wounded of, you yeah. know, talking about church being almost a activating, triggering thing for me. Mm-hmm. And even in the last year and a half, opening up to more space of spirituality for me now not necessarily having any sort of definition of what that means, but definitely having a bit more expansion to looking at things that are healing for myself and my own spirituality. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the things that I wrote down from listening to earlier episodes, you said something about like not being spiritual. And I was like, but I'm listening to you talk and you sound spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. Tell me more. I don't really remember, like, the details. Just it was – I don't know what order I listened to the episodes in either. So it's possible that I heard that earlier podcast later in the listening. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, just the way that you talk about – well, first of all, I think you talk about spiritual experiences. But the way Mm. that – just the way that you talk about how you show up in the world feels Mm. very connected and – I hear you talk about meaning making and just like all of that is kind of how I describe spirituality, like how you make meaning, how you connect to the values that shape your life and the communities that you participate in that help you be accountable to that or help you explore that. And it's like where you find inspiration and where you feel connected to something bigger. Mm. So I think there's sometimes this really narrow framework of what it means to be spiritual. Yes. And spirituality is often perceived to be synonymous with religion, which in this country is usually perceived to be synonymous with a particular brand of Christianity. Yep. Yeah. People say religious, but what they really mean is this kind of Christian. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And spirituality is like so much more broad than that, so much more expansive. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about what you mean by spirituality because I think, yeah, there's still definitely a lot of defense for me, right? Where I'm a little bit like, oh, I don't want to be spiritual. I also have this like negative connotation of, I don't know, some like idea of like the hippie yoga trope where the, you know, girl from California, aka me, comes in and is like, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And so <laughs> like, fuck, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> uh, well, 
It's interesting because I think sometimes that phrase really delineates a community of responsibility and care versus a very individual Mm -hmm. framework of like how I connect and how I like it's just very it's very personal which is fine yeah but I also think it's important that our personal experiences are impacting who we are and how we show up Mm -hmm. with and for other people in the world yeah absolutely so yeah I mean in terms of what I think about spirituality it's very much what I just said about yeah. like values and inspiration and connection mm. and meaning. Meaning making is like my thing. Yeah. Like Say more. To, yeah. I just, I love to think about how the experiences of our lives have shaped our lives, how they shape who and how we are now. And I think that can change over time. Mm-hmm. Like I am not a person who believes like God has a plan and we're exactly where we're like predestined to be. Right. I'm not into that. Yeah. But I do believe that we can look back on our path and create a story, create meaning. Like, like I said to you, Oh, I was always meant to be, or I was always going to be this like spiritual yeah. religious leader. Mm-hmm. Cause I can look on myself at 15 as like, the teen leader of my Christian youth club. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, clearly this is where I was always meant to be. Yes. Yes. But like, that's not like I've chosen a path that has taken me here, mm-hmm. maybe partly because of who I am. Yeah. And I can look back and create that story and make meaning out of it. Absolutely. Yep. And I've had some really rough experiences in my life. Mm. Like I have, I have developmental trauma. Like I have, like all kinds of all kinds of things, right? And I would not ever look at difficult experiences and say, "Oh, that was part of God's plan," because like, who the fuck wants to worship that God? Sorry, I should have asked you if you're okay with cuss cuss <laughs> all up and down. We speak freely in this space. Amazing, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like, who would say that to somebody? I, I know lots of people would say it, but Absolutely. that's not that's not my framework. I think that we create meaning out of our experiences. Mm-hmm. And ideally we do that in community of some sort, whether it's chosen family or like BFFs or our spiritual community or church or synagogue yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like chatting with our spiritual director. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible to not. I think we're always creating narratives of what our experience is. I mean, we, we as humans like stories, we like that meaning making to make sense out of our experiences. So I think we're always doing that, whether we're conscious of it or not, we have some sort of narrative of our life. And I mean, that's where psychology gets into all this, right? Because like, what is the narrative that you're telling yourself about your experience? I think it's so crazy to think about the frame of how we put things into context, right? I mean, it can be the same picture, but depending on if you put like a plastic Mm -hmm. frame compared to like this beautiful wooden ordain, like you can have a very different connection to the art piece in it with that frame, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which then, yeah, I think it kind of scary the power that we have of our mind but also the beauty of it right it's always both sides but really that power of your perspective of how you're looking at things yeah definitely definitely and I think 
It's funny. I know the question that you ask at the end of your podcast about yeah. what do you want to normalize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to throw her for a loop and I'm going to start with that question. <laughs> start with it right here. Change. There are no rules. <laughs> this is anarchy. There you go. Yeah. Well, because I feel like the thing that I want to normalize is so fundamental to what I do and how I show up. Yeah. And, and it's something that I didn't learn until... I was in seminary and really deeply mm-hmm. digging into this stuff and possibly mm-hmm. even like after I came out, which is this idea that your conception of God or the holy or whatever you want to call it does not have to be static and it does mm-hmm. not have to be systematic. Like it doesn't have to be rationally consistent. You don't have to have a framework of God that works for every single situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me... I, if you ask me like in a, in a rational, like, tell me about your theology sort of way, I will tell you, like, I don't believe in an anthropomorphic personal God who like listens to prayer, like people who acts in the world, like a person who has a desire or who has like anything, right? My conception is much more holistic than that. Sure. But also, if you ask me about my theology or in like a particular context, I might talk about God calling us toward what the best options are for mm-hmm. our life. Mm-hmm. Um, I might talk about God as someone who wants something. Yeah. But I don't like literally believe that. It's just the expedient framework to use because we're humans and we have like a limited capacity for understanding so mm-hmm. if I'm like, you know, God creates good opportunities for us, even out of terrible situations, yeah. like what that might mean is the world is broad and complex and there are always things that we can move toward that will be better than where we came from. Absolutely. Yes. But in a spiritual context, sometimes it's just easier just to say like... God is calling us towards something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think I have a hard time with that. Yeah. Definitely, like the idea. Hi, fat cat. <laughs> um, the idea of God. I kind of like was resonating with what you were saying of not a anthropomorphic. Is that how you pronounce that? Mm-hmm. Right. So not not a human that's right. listening. You know that yes. sort of idea. But then again, when you look at the scale of the cosmos of the universe and you wonder how the fuck did this all happen, part of me says, you know, there's something here, there, somehow. But, like, yeah, the idea of saying, oh, God's pulling me to this, I think I have a harder time. Because then that seems to kind of like what you were saying, cross over into that anthropomorphic. But then, like you're saying, it doesn't always have to be logically consistent. Right. Hmm. I guess it's the wounding, I think, of at least of my personal experience of what God is that, like, I probably get this defensiveness in my heart to be like, no, no, no God, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And I've been there. And a lot of my clients, a lot of the people I work with are actively doing that work of kind of deconstructing their programming or, like, what they learned and their embedded theologies. And you talked to – um. Kim from Calling in Christians, yeah. and she talked about embedded theologies and mm. um, intentional theologies. And I was like, yes, that's great. Yeah, say um, more. Well, just 
those embedded theologies, those things that we learned growing up in our formative years, they don't go away just because we stop believing them. Yep. <laughs> and yep. so I think what's really important is to look at them, recognize that sometimes they're going to show up so that when they do show up, we see them and we can like be in conversation and say, mm. oh, is that what I actually believe? Yeah. So if like for folks who are maybe newly out of church and newly into queer relationships and they're like making out with their like queer buddy, right? Mm -hmm. And they might have this sense of shame or this feeling of like something is wrong and they might not name it as a religious trauma. They might just have this like nervous system feeling of ick. And that can be really painful and really damaging. Yes. Yes. And if you've done some of this work, or if you then do some of this work to explore your embedded theologies in a situation like that, you might still feel that ick, mm-hmm. but then you can be like, oh, this is, this is a result of religious trauma. Yeah. I don't believe this anymore. Yeah. And you can kind of get your nervous system back into equilibrium. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's also like reconstruction. And so sometimes people can say not just I don't believe this anymore, but actually what I believe is that all love is sacred and holy. And that the more that we are in loving relationships, the more we are creating holiness in the world. Right. And so that can also be a shift. Mm. Yeah. I think talking about it as a trauma is really important. And I think sometimes we don't hold enough space for the trauma that can be religion um, for some people in their experience. Because, you know, it's not like you were pinned down, you know, and and physically assaulted. I mean, some people definitely are within the church. But um, so like the ability to hold space for something that was emotional abuse, psychological abuse, I think is really important. Spiritual abuse. Yes, exactly. I'm also thinking about the fact that um, when I was assaulted, I remember this like sexually it was this big shift or afterwards I was like well sex is meaningless there is no you know like this almost complete 180 of defensiveness against the meaning of sexuality and I think the same thing happens a lot here with the trauma of spiritual right you have this deep connection to God it goes poorly now life is no spirituality no meaningness like we do this as a sort of defense after being so wounded that we flip and take the almost 180. So then, yeah, trying to come back to some sort of equilibrium, if it feels right, obviously, we can all be agnostic if we want to for the rest of our life too. But like if maybe finding some more meaning, it takes, I think, time to like explore those wounds like you're saying and hold space to deconstruct those thoughts. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think agnosticism can be an equilibrium. Mm, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And like atheism can be an equilibrium, but the difference is – like you said, whether it's a reactive yeah. framework or whether it's something that you have considered and, and are integrated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks go through their entire lives without ever really integrating and just living in that space of reactivity. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. That's a lot of what I've seen in the research is people who've had those experiences and then after that have such a deep aversion to anything spiritual it's and even I experience this sometimes even just like hearing Christian music on the radio and I'm almost like it has like a trigger response I'm like nope 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 you know and it 
brings up a lot can be really hard. hundred percent. And a lot of, I think what, when we think of more traditional or more like well-understood trauma, a lot of how we heal from that is therapy, is positive experiences. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you have this reactivity to spirituality and religion and you just shut all of it out forever, it's like literally not possible to heal. You heal by like looking at it in a mm-hmm. in a safe place where yep. you can be held yep. and having positive experiences that can reprogram your nervous system from that reactivity. Yeah. And so that's a lot of what I'm doing with some of my clients is they're mm-hmm. coming to me and doing that exploration. And a lot of folks never, ever had a safe place to mm-hmm. ask the kind of questions that we're talking about and to really yeah. think about what they believe without the person that they're talking to having an agenda for them. Yes. Yep. Trying to strike down one way to make this happen. Yeah. And I try to hold the space for those questions and to reflect like curiosity toward like, oh, tell me more. Like (laughs) you did that in the here, right? Tell me more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just hearing... Sometimes I hear threads in what people say and I can kind of weave them together and offer them back. I mean, like, this is what I heard. What does that feel like? Definitely. So, I mean, go ahead. And you're, I mean, you're doing that even with me, right? Like, listening to the episodes and coming back to say that I sound very spiritual, which is to something for me going, what I do, you know, like, (laughs) so, so I think it's, it's an important reframe to hear it from someone else that I sound that way and maybe I have more inside me in terms of spirituality that I haven't even connected with or acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think in my experience, good therapists are very much like good spiritual leaders. (laughs) Like the thing you're saying about making meaning and being open and exploring and, you know, the kinds of therapists that I hang out with or that I really appreciate are also not super directive and they understand and believe that we have in ourselves a lot of tools and a lot of strength and a lot of capacities and the therapist's job is to kind of help us tap into those. Absolutely. Yeah. A guide. Yeah. A guide or not even a guide, right? That's still a little bit of a power structure, but a companion. Yeah. To walk alongside. And I think yeah, at least for me, part of that really plays into my understanding of existentialism, right? And this idea that I have no idea what the God is, what the meaning is, what the point of our existence is. I think that's something that's determined by each person. Yeah. And so when you acknowledge that and have that sort of viewpoint, it it causes you to come with curiosity to other people and ask, how are you doing this? How are you living your life? Because at the end of the day, the way I'm living it is no more true than the way that you are living it or any other person. Yeah. 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 Well, it's funny. You were like the truth, the, and as you were saying that, I was like, oh, exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, I, that's where you were going with it. Right. But it was just funny how I was reacting to that, even though I suspected that's where you were going with it. Mm, because the idea that yeah. there is one truth, one way, one God just doesn't work for me. Yeah. I mean, it always reminds me of the metaphor. You may have heard this where they are talking about the elephant 
And, you know, <laughs> someone, yeah, someone's grabbing the tail and they're like, oh, the elephant is thin with a little fluff at the end. Or do elephants have fluff at the end? I guess no, right? <laughs> it's just a long tail. It's just a long tail. And that's who God is, you know? And then right. someone touches the tusk and they're like, no, it's this hard, like, white, you know, fiber. But it, the reality is it's all touching the same thing, but we're staring at different pieces of it. And, and I think, yeah, go ahead. The reality is that elephants are not the only animal. Ooh, I like this. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think this this the fucked up part, though, is within our country, dark turn. I mean, literally the, I, the taking down Roe is multiple people enacting one sense of truth of what it means for life and what it means with their religious context on multiple other people, right? So that response in our bodies of like, oh, you know, protection, I think it makes a ton of sense within our cultural context where this is literally being enacted upon people with uteruses. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Mm. And I think, you know, again, I feel like this is a little bit like a side topic that I'm not sure how much I want to get into because sure. politics, man. Yeah, but I, I, know, think, I know. <laughs> could go down. <laughs> but I do think that it often happens that pieces of religious dogma are weaponized and not even, like, not even necessarily in a way that reflects the religious truth or the religious belief that they were pulled out of. Like this idea that life begins at conception was invented by politicians. Like <laughs> this is not, it's not biblical. It's not spiritual. It's not ecclesiastical. Like it was invented by politicians and then it was used and weaponized, not just against us, but also against Christians, mm. Republicans, like yeah. people who are trying to live good, holy lives in the way that they know and understand, mm -hmm. like they didn't originally get this information from their spiritual leaders. They got it from these politicians who had an agenda, Yep. who then like filtered it back down. Yep. Which so, is smart as fuck. It worked. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think, um, I had watched the documentary Defending Roe and it talked a lot about that, how this was a piece, a moral piece that the right really clinged on to to gain more voters and really push that whole agenda so they could take all of those votes. So, I mean, if people have never heard about this, this is an important thing to learn more about that documentary yeah. I can put in the show notes for people to check that out because it was very shocking for me to learn that the first abortions in the United States were done at Catholic churches. Yeah. I was like, wow, well, that's different than what we expected, right? Right. <laughs> and I also try to hold space for the reality that, I mean, like when I was a Christian, I remember I, yeah, literally getting up in my class and tell, telling people how homosexuality was a sin and, and wrong and so many things. And I think the scary thing about that was that I felt so right in it. I felt like I was doing a service mm -hmm. to the world. I felt, felt like I was saving people to be enacting this strong message. And so I always try to hold space. People get frustrated a lot with Christians and fundamentalists that kind of impose that reality. And it's, while it's, while I don't agree with it, they're also coming from a paradigm where they think that they are doing the best thing that they can for the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I think it's so important to have stories out in the world. And people 
people aren't going to be moved until they're ready. Yeah. Right. But I was moved by a fictional story, you know, rent. Like that was a huge piece of opening me up and preparing me for a shift. Or maybe I was already starting to open and be prepared. And that was just like the trigger. Yeah. And I think when the people that we love, you know, I've heard so many stories of folks who grew up in conservative homes who came out as queer and their families were all of a sudden like, oh, and probably not all of a sudden, right? But did the work because they love their child or their family member and did the work to open their perspective. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that does not happen for everyone. Yeah. Possibly it doesn't even happen for most people, but it happens. Yeah. And so I think the more that we, the more stories are out there in the world, the more knowledge there is and the more yes. open people can be. Yes. And I think when we have the privilege and the safety to share our stories, which not everyone does, I want to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But when we do, like, it's such a gift to the world when we can do that. Absolutely. And I mean, I think you're tying into the importance of our cultural systems, right? With rent being this important piece for you of showing a different world. I mean, connecting with people who work, we're kind of like you said before, they're real people. You know, when we grow up in these systems, sometimes you can be very isolated and you really create this othering of these people that aren't in your group. I even remember um, my sister is Mormon and when she came out to visit in Chicago, I'd asked her, you know, like, have you ever really connected with a gay person or had a conversation with someone who was queer? And she said, no, Mm. you know, and besides me, obviously, but that will shape you when you do not have anyone in your community that are these various identities. And instead you're constructing all the stories that you've been told from your community about what that other is. Mm-hmm. until you really have that moment where you connect with another human being and hear the lived experience, the stories, the humanity, you can kind of create this own, I don't even know, psychological construction of what that person is up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's really powerful, why I like the podcast, right? Getting to put these stories out there for people who maybe in their community have never heard another queer person talk about this sort of experience, to have that sort of connection, to be able to hear these stories, I think is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I'm trying to think of a way to say this that doesn't sound like I'm like patting myself on the back, but... (laughs) Pat yourself on the back. You deserve it. Whatever it is, I believe. (laughs) Well... As a spiritual director, I think that the fact that I show up as a spiritual leader, right? Like, even though I'm I'm in a companionship relationship, like, I obviously am showing up and being received with a certain amount of respect and authority because of my background, right? Okay. But as a person who is in this position or even is holding space with people who are doing this religious exploration, to be someone who is queer to be someone who is poly, to be someone who has been through like this whole big experience and even to be a woman and to be like under 40. Those are all identities that pretty much, it's not that they don't exist. They're very, very rare in in spiritual direction and also in clergy and other kinds of religious leadership. And I think so many people who grew up 
even people who came out of evangelical Christianity don't even know that that exists. Like the idea that someone like me could exist. This is actually part of why I went to seminary. I was like, let me be a minister and hold Mm. all those identities. And it didn't work out. But just to show up and say, there are lots of ways to be and you can hold spiritual space and all of these identities at the same time. And they're not mutually exclusive. Mm, Yeah. That is very powerful. I mean, I think that is very deserving of a pat on the bat, right? On the back, right? Absolutely. Yes, and like, I'm not the only one. And also, I can't really take credit for all of those identities. (laughs) Like, They're just kind of Sure. But I will take the time to say thank you because even, I mean, I, woman, queer, poly, that even just those minorities, the intersectionality of all that within a religious context, I can only imagine is really, really tough and something that's very brave to do. Thank you. Yeah. So this is, I just want to be clear, this is not what a spiritual direction session usually sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) We started out with like, yeah, let's do that. And then we've done something else, which was amazing. But also like, usually a spiritual direction session is much more you talking and much less me talking. (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But I would really like to know more about like, where you're at now. Like, what Mm. are... What are the things that inspire you and make you feel connected to something larger than yourself? What are the things that help you live your values in the world? What are your sacred stories? Mm. I think that, yeah, this is a tough question for me. Take your time. Mm. I don't know if I have sacred stories. So first that one, I'm I'm trying to pull something there and I'm not exactly sure if I have any. I think I tend to lean a little bit more Buddhist in that sense of liking the idea that we are all one, that like collective energy of humanity. Um, and I guess at times I do kind of go into a sense of thinking that maybe God is within all of us or that God is love. I think this is where polyamory ties in, right? Like that idea of expanding more love for other people, I think is a spiritual piece. I don't know. I don't have a lot of language. I don't have a lot of words right now for what that is. Yeah. So some folks... Some folks say like, oh, I feel really connected or really whole like when I look at my kids or when I look Mm. at my pet or when I'm standing in the forest or at the side of the ocean. Like this is when I feel that sense of the numinous, right? Mm. There's this feeling, this opening, this expansion that doesn't really have words, but it feels very powerful. Okay. Yes. I definitely feel that with large bodies of water, right? Um, Forests, mountains, a lot of nature, I think connection because it provides such a scale and I think a context to the lived experience um, that I am just a piece of the equation of life on this earth, right? And to kind of like feel that scale, although it can make you feel really small, I think it can also make you feel connected in this beautiful way. 
I feel that in yoga classes when everyone's breathing together, that yes. collective breath with the deep exhales out. I think that is very powerful and connecting. I'm, I'm also thinking about orgasms. I mean, that is such an expansion of spirituality and connection with yourself, with other people. I think, yeah, those are the moments that come to mind for me. And how do those feelings of connection like come back and impact your everyday life? Mm. Do they? Yeah, I think that they help ground me in many ways. And at least currently in the city, sometimes I feel very disconnected to a lot of what grounds me, right? Because I don't necessarily have a ton of nature around. Um, I actually just spent last weekend was out on a retreat for a festival called Breathe. It's this like slacklining festival um, yoga hippie thing where we were out in the woods. And like that was such a grounding thing. And to come back to the city, I'm kind of like feeling that disconnect from a lot of the pieces that do ground me. Yeah. So in many ways, I feel like sometimes I'm lacking that in the city here. Yeah. yeah. Do you have like Things that you do, do you have practices that help you in that sort of a situation when you're coming from a retreat back home and you're feeling a little like all over the place? How do you like come back to yourself? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I think part of me has been exploring that too, where I was like, wow, I felt so connected. You know, this is my first week back. How do I continue to incorporate that level of connection to these things? I journal every day, three pages. I do that every morning. I do at least two sunnays from yoga, just a little bit of movement to get me back into that space. And so those kind of sort of things help me. But I think it's still something I'm exploring. Like how do I incorporate time for spirituality and intention behind it, right? Because um, it was something that was definitely very present there of slowing down to that. And coming back, it is something I'd like to incorporate more focus, stillness on. Yeah. Well, and I think I think that language of spirituality can get in the way for some people. Like, I'm hearing you saying it, and I 100% was thinking, like, those are spiritual practices. Mm, yeah. And I think when you ask folks, like, about their spirituality, they're not necessarily thinking about what they do to get grounded, what they do to feel like they are at home in themselves, mm. to feel like they are present, to feel like they are in touch with their yeah. own inner knowing. Mm. Like those are the things that I would call spirituality. Wow. Yeah. Which is much more expansive, I think, than I sometimes put it into. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think just listening to you talk about that experience and how how you're becoming regrounded in your life. That is the kind of, uh, that is the kind of thing that made me listen to your podcast and be like, yeah, no, she's totally spiritual. Oh. <laughs> you just have yeah. that vibe. Ah, that's, that's beautiful. Thank sorry, you. Sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. I need to hear it. And I think, I, I think other people have said this to me as well. And I'm always just like, what? Um, so I think it's nice to hear that mirrored back that it's, it's seen in that, um, I definitely had a moment. I remember journaling last year where I was like, yes, I am spiritual. And all the things that are spiritual are the things that are healing to me. And so for me, that was like listening to Maggie Rogers vinyl and getting high and dancing and stretching and just being free in my body and that yes. sort of movement. And so, yes, yeah, those so are all spiritual practices. 100%. Yes. Mm. 
And when you said, I don't have any sacred stories, I immediately yeah. wanted to like challenge you on that. And this is, so this is one of the challenging parts of being a spiritual director for me is like letting people say what they want to say <laughs> and not jumping in and being like, wait, wait. <laughs> yes. Well, because when I, and that's my fault because I framed it in a way that can be understood narrowly, right? When mm. I asked about your sacred sure. stories. Yeah. But what I mean when I say that is really what are the stories that you come back to that feel like they have something important to say? Mm-hmm. Like, and that can be a song. It can be a movie. It can be like so many people are like Star Wars. Star Wars is my sacred story. Yeah. yeah. And like that's totally – 100 percent a thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah hmm. i think it's something i'll have to ponder more yeah like what are the stories that that give me that i don't know i don't have like i don't have one you know but yeah. i guess yeah i mean there's a lot of music that i connect to and feel empowered or i guess i'm even thinking about maybe like an archetype right a little Jungian, like this concept of the wild woman that is exploring the world and forging her own path. I do really like that idea. Sometimes I try to put that reframe of like, oh, I'm going to work. And I'm like, no, Nicole, you're going on an adventure. You are know? like, <laughs> going like, what are we going to find on our little quest today? <laughs> you know? Yes. And yes, yeah, and exactly. You just reminded me one of the other things that one of the things that I access as a sacred story and a lot of folks that I am connected yeah. with do is tarot. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said archetypes, and I was like, oh, yeah, tarot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Tarot is part of my spiritual direction practice. Mm, mm -hmm, Yeah. Because it is so – it is such a good mirror for our own inner knowing. Mm. Like, there – because it is so deeply archetypal. Yeah. You can read so much into it. So when you're reading, it's really helping you look at yourself. I think that's a great way to talk about it. It's a mirror to yourself. It's not like we see, you know, it's what we see in the mirror rather than the mirror itself that is, you know, because sometimes I get a little apprehensive too where I'm like, Tarot's not telling you anything, but I think, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I think understanding it within a mirror context of what you pull out of it from what you're seeing back reflected to you is very, very important. And again, meaning making of that. Yeah. Yeah. you know, what you see is important and also the mirror shapes what you see. Absolutely. Right? If you're yeah. in a fun house, what you see <laughs> in the mirror is different. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes, yes. And so I think when I read tarot, I tend to ask what you see in the card. hmm And also I have a framework for what the card often connotes. Mm-hmm. Right? And those two things are not in opposition. They talk to each other. And sometimes I'll say, oh, this card represents this or often represents this. And my client will be like, that's 100% wrong. I'm like, mm-hmm. cool. We learn as much from the no's as we do from the yeses. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the point is not to tell the future. The yeah. point is to get in touch with our own knowing. There it is right there. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Can I draw a tarot card for you? Absolutely. Yes. 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 Amazing. So I usually like to have some kind of a like 
a guiding intention, sometimes a question, sometimes an intention, mm -hmm. because you can see so much in a tarot card. Yeah. Right. And if you don't have that, it can be kind of just like, okay, well, that could yeah, be anything. What is this? Yeah. So I'm wondering if there's something in particular that would feel useful for you. Yeah. I mean, I think when I think about the context of the week and I just spent last week being out in nature and connected to a community of people that were very close and integrated and that feeling of community, spirituality, how am I incorporating that moving forward, I think would be a great intention to explore. Yeah. Yeah. How you, how you might bring more of that into your life. The biggest spirituality piece, I think, is probably this podcast, because every time that I let go to have someone pick who comes next on the show, right? Like, here you are showing up after I'm like, how do I incorporate more spirituality into this? And then you show up right here, and I'm like, huh, hey, universe, I see you. So <laughs> if anything, this podcast has hit, like, multiple times, and I, I sit Amazing. back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. This is a spiritual practice. You have the spiritual practice of like living in the mystery and releasing control and allowing what comes forth. Definitely. Mm. And engaging in like enjoyable, meaningful conversation with other people. One of the Jewish concepts I really love is the idea that everyone has their own Torah. So there's Torah with a capital T, which is like these five books, right? Yeah. But then there's also Torah, which is just like wisdom and knowledge and yes, and sacred knowledge, right? And Absolutely. the idea is that every Jew heard their own Torah at Sinai. Mm. Even people who were not there, like they were there. Every every Jewish soul that ever would and ever will exist was present at Sinai. Is mm. one of these like mythical ideas of Judaism. Yeah. And that we each have our own Torah. And I yeah. so strongly believe that. Mm. You're creating this platform for people to come and share their Torah with the world. Thank you. And I know that's not like how you would frame it, but that's how that's how it I is. understand it. Yes, it is. The lived experience, the truth of someone else's lived experience is so powerful. Hundred yeah. percent. One of the one of the churches that I'm connected to is Gilead Chicago. Okay. And it's a, we call it a queer storytelling bar church. <laughs> I love that. It started out at a bar at the Red Line Tap in Rogers Park, which does not exist anymore, sadly. Mm. Um, but stories, like people coming and telling their stories is like the big thing. That's like the focal mm. point where in a normal church, normal, in a lot of churches, you would like read scripture as a piece of the service we tell stories. Yeah. And then scripture comes into the sermon. Like it's not that scripture doesn't exist as a Christian church, but the reason I'm telling you this story is because Rebecca Anderson, one of the ministers there always says, your story is a God story. Mm. Like your stories are sacred. The stories of your life are sacred and meaningful and holy. Yeah. Mm. And that's, I just love it. It's so it's powerful. powerful. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Mm -hmm. Powerful. And, and so true. So and yeah. so theologically relevant for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think that we are like God running around. Like we are the way that God experiences living. Exactly. I like that idea. I do. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So a card. Yes. About how you can incorporate more spirituality or how you can bring what you have 
experienced on your retreat into your everyday life. So this is a card that I drew. Six of of swords. Six of swords, yep. Mm, Some birds flying in the background. There's a big bird, a black bird, on one of the swords, and then a smaller blue bird. And it seems to be in a boat with a little bow on the boat and some water a soft sunset sky, but with a little bit of dark sky to the left kind of peeking in. Hmm. Definitely connects with the things I said of mountains, water, and aspects of my spirituality. Yeah. Hmm. So I felt like as you were describing the card, you were really describing it for the listeners. So tell me about what jumps out for you out of that image that you're seeing is there anything that is really striking for you or that gives you any kind of strong emotion or that your eye is particularly drawn to i think the sky definitely that pink the pink to blue to black Mm. beauty Mm -hmm. i'm also particularly interested in the boat i think it's very interesting with the little bow Mm-hmm. Almost kind of reminds me of a leaf-looking kind of piece. Yeah. It's really interesting. The The suit of swords in tarot is sometimes called the suit of sorrow mm-hmm. because most of the swords cards are kind of awful. And there are like two or three cards that are not really like intense. And this is one of them. Hmm. And usually the way I interpret the Six of Swords is that it's a card about a journey. It's a card about a transition from one place to another place, one way of being to another way of being, one, and sometimes it could be as simple as one relationship to another or one house to another. Um, But it's really very much about a journey, and that's the boat. You know, and water in tarot represents emotion and intuition. Mm. It's very much a, mm, I want to say that it's a feminine, like, way of being, but I also kind of hate the construction of masculine and feminine and specific. Yeah. Yeah. But I think being that, being that we're women. (laughs) <laughs> sure yes and we're talking about you know mm-hmm. i think i think the construction of the feminine might be might be relevant here yeah mm. yeah so what do you think about that does that feel resonant for you with your question at all i mean it definitely has been a journey right that is what we've been talking about throughout this whole conversation is my journey of spirituality Hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes I'll pick one card, and sometimes I'll pick a couple cards. Mm-hmm. So I just drew a couple more to kind of yeah expand yeah. it out a little I'm bit. I'm with right? you. One of the things that I do sometimes is I'm like, okay, this is where we're at right now. This is where we came from. This is where either where we might go, where we might aim, or maybe the next the next thing yeah. that we are being invited into. Right. So, so the kind of right now feels like it's really that moment in the boat. And, you know, you've been making this journey, but you're still, 
you're still making it. Yeah. Right? You're still kind of in the water right now. And I'm curious also, before I go to the other cards, like what mm-hmm. would those swords be for you? God, Christianity, my apprehension to be that spiritual person, right? I mean, there's a ton of swords, I think, in that experience that have maybe pierced my boat in the past, right? And made me sink mm-hmm. a little deeper into the ocean. Yeah. Mm. Where do you see yourself? Mm. I want to say the smaller little bird, but I think that's just because I like the colors, <laughs> you know? That's okay. Sweeter, yeah, sweeter. Yeah. Small little bird. But I'd also love to be one of the birds flying in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the big black bird is? Mm. I mean, it's bigger, so I almost am, but it almost, it, it gives me a sign of strength, mm. kind of, because um, I was thinking, is it maybe more sorrow and heaviness? But the bird also seems very, like, strong and ready in the ship there and kind of, I guess, maybe navigating the experience. Mm. Yeah. Maybe they're both you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you are the pretty little soft bird and also someone with a strong, capable persona inside of you who can totally navigate these waters. Absolutely. Yeah. Even on a sinking boat. Mm. So the card that I drew as a past influence is the Seven of Wands. So for the listener, it looks like there's a beaver on a log in some water again. And then some sticks that are coming up in the water. It's a little plant over to the left side and then some birds flying up overhead again. Beautiful sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one of the things that attracted me to this deck is the sky and the Absolutely. colors. It's yeah. all so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And this is not by any means a traditional tarot deck. I don't know how much you know about tarot, but. Yeah. It's a little different with a lot of animals, it seems. Yeah. Well, I think it's fun because there's a lot to see. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful card. So what jumps out at you? I guess the connection of the birds again, up in the sky, in the distance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What What do you think that means? Like, what is that? What is the idea that that's in both of these cards? Does that have any kind of connotation for you? Because this is supposed to be my past influences. Mm-hmm. Or like what you've mm-hmm. brought with you into this moment. I guess the freedom to fly, to be to be soar, to see the world, and that I've always really loved birds and their like space. The beaver is also very interesting in the context of trying to understand, you know, a dam building up mm-hmm. water, stopping that, you know. Yeah, mm. what do you think that's about? Uh, if we're talking about past influences, definitely could be uh, the blocks of Christianity in the past that have stopped my spirituality in the past, kind of dammed that water up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think there's any possibility that you might have been the beaver? Mm, absolutely. So what do you? What would you say the dam that you built might be? The adverse reaction after going through, you know, such a difficult time with spirituality that I come back and say, no, there's no spirituality at all. I'm building up the dam, stopping mm-hmm. all the water from flowing. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting, the water being... You know, the water is really a sign of spirituality in these cards. It really represents spirituality. And water can be, like, water is life, right? And it can be beautiful, and it can be nourishing and life-giving. And also it can be super dangerous. And sometimes sometimes we dam it up 
because it's dangerous and sometimes it's dangerous because we have damned it up and then it's mm-hmm. you know might yeah. explode yes 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 mm-hmm. the, and the thing about the seven of wands is it often represents like like activism like mm-hmm. being really strong in a like an injustice oriented sort of a it's like very much like a like a fight for the good so you know there's also that has that been a part of your of your past experience of like the spiritual life I mean absolutely but maybe in a negative connotation but right but I yeah I was the one advocating for that homosexuality is sin and some purity culture beliefs that I don't resonate with more so yeah I was always that passionate you know person to advocate for those sorts of things yeah yeah so that's where you've come from. It sounds like we've got both like further further back and more recently. Yeah. And I are in this like journey forward. And the last card is the kind of invitation or goal if that works for you. Depends on, on how you read it. Sure. Card. So we've got the three of cups. So there's there's three beautiful birds that are much closer this time. The birds in the past seem to have been kind of in the background flying where these birds are much closer and they seem to be around a a curly string over three cups and then a whale that is deeper below seems to be maybe in some sort of water blue and the sky is almost kind of like a cotton candy colors of like soft pink and blue it reminds me of the the sky in this card it does yep absolutely yeah the blue and the pink and it's super, super interesting because we've got like the, mm-hmm. the kind of darker sky in the in the past card and we've got the present card that's got a little bit of both. And then mm-hmm. we've got this future card that is all cotton candy sky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does right. anything about – go ahead. As a bright future ahead. <laughs> <laughs> is, does anything about this card – what does it say to you? I'm really interested in the string, you know, what the string means. The birds are kind of nearby and it's curling and beautiful. But I also think there's a lot of beauty in the connection between the water and the earth, right? They're they're so close together in scale. So there's such a a melting of those two worlds in this card. Yeah. And the Three of Cups traditionally is a card of celebration. It's a card of community. So I tend to think of the cups as like, because this is a suit about love, about spirituality, about, you know, it's the water suit, right? Like it's all water all the time. Yeah. And I tend to think of the first, um, sorry, the two of cups is like a relationship, like a wedding, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And the three of cups is like the reception the party (laughs) so this is like a party card a celebration (laughs) like and there's three and there's three birds and they're you know they're in community nobody is by themselves and it looks like this ribbon is actually like in the beak of one of the birds Mm -hmm. and another one looks like he maybe is heading toward it or just grabbed onto it and the cups also have this like twisting like yeah smoke or vapor or something rising mm-hmm. and there's just like a lot of synchronicity there yeah. what do you mm-hmm. think the whale's about when i think about it i think about this i don't know what it means but the scale like when you think about the size of a bird 
compared to the size of a whale and having them depicted in the same sort of size. Mm. Mm, maybe, it, it, I mean, it could be about the, the depth, right, of of the celebration from the sky all the way to the deeper levels of the water. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And in tarot, the swords are air, and air is like the suit of thinking and talking, and like it's the head suit, right? And cups and water are about like the heart and intuition, and they're like really two sides of of this point and of this way of being. So I love this idea that the celebration and the revelry is like from the head all the way through the heart mm-hmm. and having that connection between mind and spirit, which it sounds yeah. like there's been a real disconnect for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. Yeah. And I also hear you saying that you're looking to like reconnect a little bit. Definitely to more of the felt sense. I think there's been, when I look back on my past, a lot of logic construction Mm -hmm. you know how does god fit into this you know that sort of thing um when i was on this retreat there was this beautiful moment where i came to this like group of people that had been crafting like a sound bath sort of experience some people were playing drums other people were playing sound bowls and there was a moment where someone asked something and one of the leaders was like i think you're engaging in the intellect too much and I looked over and I was like I am taking that (laughs) and that's been something I've been trying to hold on to is like how can I engage less in the intellect and more in the felt sense yeah Mm. and I don't necessarily think they have to be in opposition to each other I think if we're using the intellect to keep us out of our body and out of our felt sense then it's out of balance yeah but I don't think that we have to let go of one in order to have the other either. Yeah, definitely. That's the uh, air and the water. Yeah. So how do you feel like those cards speak to your question? If I, yeah, I mean, me being the beaver that has in the past, like built up the dam to kind of restrict that spirituality in the past, hitting this point of coming into a journey of trying to navigate where I'm going between the water and the sky and then to have this sort of integration between the two that is a celebration of all of my experiences in the past and with a little bit more freedom I feel a sense of like dance that comes with the birds and the strings some sort of movement and I think in many ways even right this conversation being a important connection of celebration of my spirituality and maybe, you know, directing me more towards that point of joy in connection to that. I think it's all very connected. Yeah. Yeah. When I was listening to you describe that and listening to you describe the kind of first couple of cards, I'm just like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's what we said. And then as you started to describe that last card, I like felt this opening inside mm-hmm. of me. Like, I think, and I think that was totally coming from you. Mm-hmm. It's just like this, like this lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May it be so. May you have an, an integrated celebration of your full, authentic self in Absolutely. your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really appreciate you doing that. That was very kind of you for taking the time to share. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. That's 
It is one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite mm. parts of spiritual direction because there yes. is so much, like I learned so much from it. You know, mm-hmm. I get so much from, from what other people bring to it. And it feels like such a gift to me to be able to hold people's questions and stories and experiences. And like, it takes such a huge amount of trust and I'm so honored to be able to do it. So thank you for mm. letting me like yeah do this with you too thank you yeah I mean it's a powerful meaning making narrative process right it's it's crafting that narrative providing symbols stories concepts for us to understand our experience and that's very powerful work to be doing yeah tarot is extremely Jungian yes it is yes I would (laughs) definitely agree with that all those archetypes yeah well this was such a pleasure I really appreciate you coming onto the space and holding a lot of space for me today. Yeah. To explore. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was so much fun. Did I like touch all the things that you wanted? Yes. A hundred (laughs) percent. I mean, these are all, these conversations are so unique. Co-collaboration, right? Never know where they're going to go. And I think they're beautiful in all the directions they take. So I really, really had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of your spirituality, co-creation is like one of like my favorite spiritual terms. So when you said co-collaboration, you said that in your email, I was like, yes, (laughs) it's magic. It is. It's two unique beings coming together. That is magic, you know, in and of itself. Yeah. You Uh, and me in the universe. mm -hmm. Is there anywhere you'd want to plug if people are really connecting with you and want to hear more about your work? Yeah, um, I have. So I'm actually just starting to like do the business piece of my business. So I have, I'm working on a website, but I just have a landing page right now. But there's a link that people can make appointments to chat to do like that consult. Yeah. um, Or can sign up for an email list, which doesn't do anything right now, but will hopefully. Exactly. (laughs) So um, that's it. Sellaspiritualcare.org, which is S-E-L-A-H, spiritualcare.org. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And I'll make sure I'll have that in the show notes. So amazing. Thank you. I really, thank I really, you. I needed it. I needed this. It was all timed very beautifully. So thank you. Anytime. Anytime. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're a part of the Anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.